Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Arthur Hu. Art is Lenovo's Global Chief Information Officer, as well as the Chief Technology and Delivery Officer of its Solutions and Services Group, or SSG. As such, he plays an integral role in enhancing the delivery of Lenovo's technology to its customers. Art joined the $70 billion plus revenue tech firm in 2009, taking on the CIO role in 2016. Prior to that, he spent over eight years at McKinsey & Company. I look forward to hearing more about the development of the Solutions and Services Group, a startup within a behemoth, and his expanded role therein. Art, welcome back to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Peter, always glad to be back. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this. I, and one of the reasons I've been looking forward to this, Art, is um, since our last conversation on the record anyway, you have a couple of new uh, responsibilities. Uh, last time we spoke, you were the Global Chief Information Officer of Lenovo. You continue to have that role. You are now also the Chief Technology and Delivery Officer of the company's Solutions and Services Group. And I would love for you to, uh, perhaps even your CIO role has modified in some ways reflective of the passage of time. But certainly the the second part of what I, I noted is, is new relative to that past conversation. Would love to have you kind of provide a bit of context as to your role in totality uh, and what each represents, if you would. Yeah, absolutely, Peter. Um, so maybe a bit of context to put and frame the answer. Uh, you know, Lenovo has grown rapidly in the last several years. We're now over $70 billion. Um, and we've stood up what's the solution and services group, which I'll shorten to SSG for the rest of our conversation. But we built that two years ago <clears throat> to be the connective tissue between Lenovo's end-to-end technology offerings and ensuring that smarter enterprise technology is accessible for all organizations globally. So the reason I took on the role of both the chief technology officer and the chief delivery officer for our SSG is because how much overlap there is between and how important and central technology is into the operations. SSG specifically is meant to take our hardware success and make it available as a service. And to do that, we're really not only taking the hardware and making them into accessible offerings, it's a fundamental shift in Lenovo's transformation as a company. We're not just selling hardware, we're actually there with our customers on a day-to-day basis. And whether you look at the CTO role or the chief delivery officer role for SSG, those are things that draw directly on what it is to be a CIO. Namely, as a CTO, thinking about the portfolio of technology investments that can enhance customer offerings. And then as the chief delivery officer, it's really framing it and looking at the CIO today is already delivering. So in my case, I already delivered to a customer. That customer happens to be Lenovo. But in fact, that these service offerings that we're making available in Solution and Services Group, SSG, are actually also another form of delivery, but to a much more expanded set of customers. So those are the broad themes that we're drawing on where, as a company, we saw synergy between the CIO role and the CTO and the chief delivery officer role in SSG. Very interesting. And I, I like the way you frame that in some ways logical that this would be an expanded set of responsibilities, given the way that you and your team operate uh, in your CIO um, a role that you've had for some time now. Um, I, I would love to ask you also, how do you think now about the division of those responsibilities, even just thinking about the time you spend in the different parts of, uh, of your role? Uh, and I guess also as a consequence, how you think about the teams that are supporting you in each of those places, since 
uh, I, by definition, if you're focused in one direction, it means time away from from the other, at least for a time. Um, talk a bit about the way in which you, you you manage those and perhaps the team underneath you, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, absolutely. With the expanding scope does, as you say, come with it, the additional demands on the time pulling in different directions. Now it's helped by the synergy that I talked about, but the additional workload is very real. Now I'm privileged in the sense that I've been Lenovo's global CIO for five years before I took on the additional CTO and also more recently the chief delivery officer role in SSG. And that's been invaluable because it's given me the time and the space to really figure out as a global CIO how I wanted to build the team, how I wanted to build the operating model, and really to make sure that that team is set up for success. So I think with that, that already gives me a really solid foundation to work on because at this point, as a more mature team and as an experienced leadership team that has several years working together well and achieving with the business, they're much more confident in their ability to execute on a plan. Now, for the additional areas, it's really been a learning journey. Even though there's many things that are similar, uh, the application of how do you deliver services, how do you manage a technology portfolio are varied when you think about it in a customer context versus a pure delivering to uh, the internal context. So the very real implication is that I have made an explicit shift to figuring out and spending more time on the strategic questions of determining what the operating model is in the new CTO and the delivery role. Similar to as when I first became a global CIO, spending time on getting that right up front really paid dividends longer term. And so that's the balance, uh, at least initially, which is making sure, and now that the IT team is able to run fairly independently, and I've been able to also restructure the team as well to give some more empowerment uh, and delegation to the IT leadership team, that in turn frees me up to think about some of the harder questions strategically on vision, direction, and operating model that are currently facing us and as the uh, CTO and the delivery organization. And that's very natural. SSG, even for Lenovo, is still a fairly new organization. It's our newest top-level business group. And so it itself is evolving and iterating. And so I think that goes really hand-in-hand hand as well and opens up the field for the right kind of experimentation and, and thoughtful problem-solving about how to move forward. As you point out, it's in essence almost like a, a startup within a behemoth. Um, and, and I wonder to what extent, I mean, as you mentioned in the uh, your, your previous explanation of your responsibilities, some of the nuances of uh, you know uh, the, the services that you're providing and, and the new ways of operating and engaging with customers. Um, talk a bit about the I, I, and these are my words, not yours, the tabula rasa, uh, the fact that it is a new start here, again, leveraging the what is good about Lenovo in so many ways, but also uh, developing new operating models, as you pointed out. Um, you know, are, are there opportunities as a result of this to rethink the way in which uh, the business is done in some ways that perhaps also has upstream, if you will, or, or perhaps the analogy is better put, uh, a lateral changes to other parts of the organization uh, by virtue of, of a new business that's being created within uh, a larger business? Yes, absolutely. Maybe there's two aspects that I'll draw on for this part of the discussion, Peter. I think the first one is, as the CTO for our solution and services group, here we're at the forefront of evolving Lenovo's overall operating model. It's one of our strategic pillars that we want to have and go through 
a services-led transformation so that we can make the best of our portfolio available in more ways to consume and meet our customers where they are. That didn't exist two years ago at all. And as you said, it really is a startup, which is we had a very well-tuned global operating model that was optimized for delivering hardware. Now, when we want to deliver things like managed services, when we want to deliver professional services, when we want to deliver hybrid cloud, those are an entirely set of new muscles and capabilities. So the first the very real dimension that it's very startup-like and also driving change at the company is we're bringing in new capabilities that just didn't exist before. And so this is white space for the company. Obviously, we're able to draw from a lot of the services transformation and subscription-based transformation that's going on in the industry, but landing that within an organization has a lot of nuance. And so that's where we spend significant time. Another aspect that's quite interesting is actually building a bridge to the point of why the expanded role from global CIO to also taking the CTO and delivery role in SSG is around building that bridge between IT and our new business group. That synergy really comes to life because it's a huge priority to make sure we're not just transforming internally, but also externally. And we have something called Lenovo Powers Lenovo, which is part of building that bridge. And so that's a very real change in the company as well, where we can take things that have worked well in IT. So we have capabilities, right? We have products, we have knowledge, and we're able to apply those things in various ways to the business, to the point earlier of from serving Lenovo as customer number one to serving the next 10, 20, 100 customers using the kernels of what we've developed internally. That's what Lenovo powers Lenovo is. And that's a very strong bridge that we are building and we look to continue to invest in going forward where we can take the best of what's worked for us and also make that available to our customers where it makes sense. I can go into maybe an example just to Please. give you a sense. So knowledge is one of the soft assets that IT has. And so, for example, last year, uh, we won a deal with Medea Group. They're one of the world's largest producer of electrical appliances. And what was remarkable about this is that the pre-sales team actually came from IT. And so we're on the front lines because in discussions with them, they said, it looks like Lenovo has gone through some transformation, has built global capabilities and expertise in setting up aspects around global operations and the manufacturing industry. And they said, we would love to understand how you guys did it. And that evolved into a conversation of, well, there's a lot of similarity between what we or what they as Medea were looking to do and what Lenovo has done. And so they said, well, that's valuable to us. So why don't you come and actually help us build this? And so that's one example of Lenovo powers Lenovo, where the kernel of capability and knowledge internally, that's expertise, was directly applicable to and was able to help our sales team acquire new customers. Right. So that's one facet uh, of Lenovo powers Lenovo, just as an example. It's a it's a powerful one, and I know you and the team, as as you note, um, have done a nice job of thinking about the complexities that you manage, translating uh, in the learnings from that, translating into opportunities to help customers, as you just highlighted. Another of the complexities that that you manage as an executive is as part of a business that has you know a headquarters in Beijing and also a headquarters in North Carolina, uh, and of course operations all around the world. So helping global businesses. 
navigate the complexities of global business, but also in doing business uh, both in China and the U.S., for example. Can you talk a bit about um, ways in which you've helped uh, organizations uh, do that as well? Again, reflective of the same, you know, kind of complexity that you're managing through on a day-to-day basis as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think the point here is that there's a lot of complexity in these operating models. And especially now, I think there's uncertainty, right? Whether that's macroeconomic or around some of the, the financial trends that are happening. And so when uncertainty comes into play, I think companies start thinking about planning horizons. What should we invest in? What shouldn't we invest in? How can we retain more flexibility? Uh, and even for us internally, I think that maybe another example that we can talk about here would be around hybrid cloud. Right? And there's another example where we've been working with uh, kind of a new energy company. And so renewables is obviously a big trend uh, globally. Uh, this company happens to be in China. And so several years ago, uh, we had started working with them on some fairly in-depth in technology challenges uh, around their infrastructure portfolio and, and architecture. And our work there led that company to actually hire us to look into how they can expand into new geographies and design their global IT strategy. Again, because of our experience in managing our own complexity globally. Even for Lenovo, we have the, the peaks and the troughs in our demand. And so it's important that when we do scale up, we're able to do so flexibly. And also now, particularly in this time where we are, right, the ability to actually ramp down for a period of time, right, for segments of our business that are either growing more slowly or are waiting for growth or are looking for efficiencies. And so we've worked with them to become a trusted partner where we can bring solutions that span their needs, right? Including our hybrid cloud, right? Our infrastructure services, our smart manufacturing. And what underpinned all this is actually our work of what we call xCloud in China, right? Which is we have a hybrid cloud solution that's really helped us navigate these ups and downs and helping manage the complexity of, well, I would like more capacity here. I want less here. I need to manage data localization in another geography. Right? And so that was really the linchpin of what helped us navigate in some of the operational complexity and having a more complex technology portfolio. I think that's a great example where the technology here actually helps the business in a very real sense deal with their operational complexity. Right? We don't often think of it like that. It's like, well, it's just architecture and it's just stuff to make the company run. But more and more, I think it's also part of a trend where the te right technology deployed in the proper places will be critical to helping the business navigate their turns and bends in the journey as we go through a more uncertain environment. Very interesting arts. And one of the things even pre-COVID that I found really fascinating about your responsibilities is the fact that you really do operate... Uh, uh, Pre-COVID, you would spend, it seemed, half your time in China and half your time in the U.S. and other places as well, again, reflective of the global role that you have. And naturally, uh, like so many, you were uh, largely grounded for a period of time as a result of the pandemic. But you, even before the pandemic, you were used to managing global teams virtually, as, of course, you couldn't be all the places where you had teams regularly. I wonder what learnings um, you've drawn pre and post pandemic um, about managing global teams effectively. And in your case, global teams with you know, significant language and cultural differences associated with them as well. 
um, that that you think might might continue to bear fruit as you expand uh, now in this uh, post. Well, I'm not sure if we can officially call it post pandemic yet, but the period we're in now. Uh, what learnings have you drawn from that uh, that you think might be of interest? I think for me, it's really highlighted some things which I had held, but really came to the forefront through the transition. And keep in mind, Peter, much of the world had differing speeds uh, and differing ways of adapting to the challenges posed by the pandemic. Uh, I, I think the first one ultimately is that human capital in the sense of interpersonal relationships, just like you and I are speaking here, they really matter. And I think that is the foundation because the speed with which you're able to move is often constrained, not necessarily by technology, not by the speed of light and the lag on a Zoom call, uh, but by, I, I think, the quality of the relationship and the amount of trust that's there. And so I, I observed time and again that teams that had high trust and were able to tap into that capital tended to work better together and achieve better results more quickly. That really came across strongly. And I think the implication as we come out of this into the post-pandemic world, if we could say such a thing, uh, would be that it's important to replenish those stocks of capital. I, I think uh, I, I, myself, as an example, I, I certainly made the effort spending a significant parts of the year in China when there was quarantine uh, to be able to renew those and to maintain those relationships and also traveling uh, to uh, internationally as well. The second part is really that the mission and vision also matter because for, especially in 2020 and 2021, it wasn't as easy to go around that physical workspace to the extent people felt, I understand what it is we're trying to do. And the, to the extent that the management system put the decision-making to them, right? I think that also gave teams well-being a huge boost to be able to say, that's okay. Even if I haven't seen colleagues that are near and dear for the last two years, we collectively, right, to be able to refer back to the broader we of something and an aspect that they believed in. We are transforming the company. We're building a new operating model. We're a startup within a behemoth. Whatever the framing that made sense for a team was, to be very clear with them about that and then follow that up, but not just that, follow that up with the empowerment to say, okay, no one's going to look over your shoulder day to day. Let's be results focused and try to move quickly. So I think those aspects, I think, really were underscored for me uh, during the pandemic. Now, of course, I didn't mention, but it's almost assumed at this point that you do need the, the, the right technology to keep you connected with the teams and to have the information flowing clearly. And so I think there was a rise of a set of tools, not only for the real time, but also the asynchronous communication that supported that very well. I really like that you focus on this whole uh, idea of trust art and that kind of the currency of 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 uh, establishing a great culture is one that, that is a trusting culture where you're building that bank, if you will, um, um, because I think many of us were drawing upon the reserves, uh, especially during times when we couldn't be, be be physically together. And I think it's also poignant that you highlight the necessity of being physically together uh, as part of that. Uh, maybe, maybe not to the same extent that we once did, but um, clearly, and, and knowing you, I know that you were you spent months in China, as you pointed out, uh, in, in 2021, uh, reestablishing those connections, as you alluded to a moment ago as well, that uh, even if the future is hybrid, um, 
one must still be mindful of the necessity of of physically being together as one of the ways in which, or perhaps one of the easier ways um, uh, to, to build up that bank of trust. A, a fair point. And then Peter, I'm actually just talking to you. One other thing jumps out about, because I know many companies still, right? So you still see companies who are in the news for perhaps being too heavy handed or a little bit tone deaf about how they think about uh, return to work, right? And I think one of the things that helped here is really back to the point we actually also internally had a fairly contentious discussion about should we mandate back to work in person and if so what format that should take and accountability right it's a, it's a complicated uh or it's a rather it's a complex discussion there's a lot of factors to help us cut through we just went back to one thing and as an executive committee we discussed and where we landed we said yes we're going to move back to work and we simply said for our culture we believe there is value in face-to-face -face interaction. Right? And that's where it started. And from that starting point, it actually made the discussion a lot easier, which as people understood the intent of building, maintaining, increasing the human capital and the speed of trust between the teams, from that starting point, it was way easier to get teams to buy in. Right? Rather than say, get back in the office, it was, we want to see you in person. And we believe valuable interactions happen. At the end of the day, you have to draw a line. Is it two days? We have to pick something. But if you believe, right, as a company, we believe relationships matter. We believe the ability to work in person as a team towards a common goal is valuable. Right? And we made that as a statement of culture. And once we used that framing, a lot of other ones were much easier because it wasn't then about, well, is someone going to look over your shoulder? It's, do you want to know your colleagues? Would you like to build trust-based relationships? And that actually changed the entire contour and tenor of the discussion. That's very interesting. I wanted to ask you, we've talked about a number of, of trends in this conversation, work trends, uh, operating model trends, technology trends. You know, as you as you look to the future, Art, are there some additional trends uh, that excite you, uh, things that are making their way onto your, your personal or professional roadmap? Yes, I think reducing complexity and optimizing operating models is a huge opportunity. And I think that's one, especially as I take the delivery role and engage in more customer discussions, it's really exciting because what I find is that there is still a long way to go, which is opportunity for all of us as tech business technologists. Maybe as a brief example, even on something as simple as device as a service, I was having a discussion recently with a customer about their journey. And they said originally, well, we just buy PCs and use them for two, three, four years, and it's fine, right? We, we don't see the value in device as a service. But they were open enough to say, well, but okay, if we were to do this, what would it bring? And what we uncovered was all this hidden complexity that people didn't know about, right? So for example, the IT team there, when we started asking, well, who fixes computers when they break? Who administers the excess computers? Where, where do you stock extra parts? Right? How long do you use it? And all these questions, every question was kind of met with a, huh, we didn't know that. We didn't assume that. And when we ended up, it turns out that they actually had all this hidden complexity beneath what they thought was actually a well-running operation. And it was well-run, but it was also much more complex and expensive than it needed to be. Uh, and so I think that's just one small example, but I'm seeing in many customers that there is complexity, that there we are collectively as business technologists being asked to use technology to reduce that. Uh, and to the extent services can help with that, I think that's an opportunity to have a conversation, even internally for my team, where I, I'm in the interesting position where I want to use more of 
SSG services to serve Lenovo. And we're also uncovering some bits and pockets of that. So I think that's absolutely a trend. Uh, the whole point about resilience, I think will continue to be front and center, not just from a resilience from cyber attack, but resilience, I think coming out, we should, lest we forget uh, the lessons from the pandemic, the resilience to have enough shock absorber or buffer in the system that you're able to deal with unforeseen circumstances. Some of that's operating model, some of that's also around the technology architecture to support that. The ability to introduce new capabilities, the ability to shift workloads, the ability to respond rapidly to trends like data localization and data protection that are happening. And so I think there's a lot more work to be done there. And then the final one I'd, I'd talk about would really be a, re a shift from even product-centric into something that's much more experience-centric, right? We, I think we've spoken before, Peter, and you've also spoken with many of the guests you've had here on product-based transformation and really getting away from, as in contrast to technology-based, right? Here's the technology that does interesting things X versus, hey, we have something that delivers a value to the business. Uh, and now more and more, as customers are asking for outcomes, I find pivoting even from there to really thinking about the experience. And that's really helped string together or bridge together multiple teams because I've seen how do we then get the products more integrated into a more seamless flow for the customers. So those are things that I think are very exciting that have very tangible impacts for how we think about how teams are architected, how they can integrate better and how they can plug in uh, with each other along those fronts. That, I, I want to linger on that last one for a moment, if I may, Art. That's really interesting. The the move from what was a you know project to product now to experience, as you as you highlight, and some of what you describe, it, clearly it's borrowing or leveraging a lot of what was good is good about the product centric operating model of bringing in people for, with a diverse array of experiences, creating more permanent teams uh, around the products that have been defined. Um, what, can you talk a bit more about some of the nuances of what changes? Uh, based upon some of those initial principles, uh, when you think about experience as the operating model, being more experience-centric? Yeah, I think from project to product really gets people into focusing on the right things, which is delivering value for customers versus hitting a milestone in a project, which may or may not be as meaningful. And Peter, you and your team were kind enough to help me on that transformation for Lenovo, which I think was successful. The product and moving to a more experience-centric then in my view, is just a natural next step, which is to elevate that. What I found is I needed to be more explicit with the teams who are working in product models to talk to each other more. Because then what we found is teams would get, uh, without further encouragement, some teams would become a bit siloed, which is to say, I just have my value stream that I'm working about. And I just want to make sure, for example, I deliver a good portal experience. Okay, well, but portal experience, for example, on enterprise customers, well, look, there's a lot of things around that solution that could be used for consumers or small, medium business, or maybe we want to add features to the portal from another business group. And so I think thinking about the experience, especially as Lenovo is getting more engaged with the customers was a natural next step to elevate that and say, how do we weave together multiple uh, products uh, really with a customer centric view and thinking about journeys. Right? And that's also, uh, we're in the middle of that right now, but that's also yielding, um, return for us in, in terms of better reuse, in terms of having more common technology base. And so in short, I think it's a natural extension to say, good, now that we've got themes thinking in the right orientation about continuous value delivery, let's layer in the customer view so that we can make sure teams that are 
working across streams to uh, working across streams to deliver can really have an overall narrative uh, to prioritize against. Very interesting. I appreciate you 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 uh, highlighting some of the 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 expansion from from the product model into this new model and 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 uh, the ways in which you've thought about uh, doing so. But very interesting. I wanted to also ask you. You know, as you reflect on your career to date, Art, um, you, you became a chief information officer while in your 30s. You now have this, uh, this expanded uh, set of responsibilities that I think is in some ways reflective of where the discipline is going, at least for those people who are particularly, you know, the, the, some of the best practitioners uh, among CIOs. Um, what, what do you highlight as some of the keys to your own success, some of the difference makers along the way, uh, perhaps... Uh, uh, for, for others who might wish to emulate some of the success that you've had, um, what, what lessons do you draw that you might be able to articulate? Yeah, there's so many. And I, I, I do want to preface this in that, again, I think recognizing there is absolutely a factor of right place and right time. And so I've been fortunate and privileged to uh, have been in the right place and the right time for many of these things. Uh, on top of that, with that in mind, I think number one, I would you know, be open and, and maybe say yes to a couple of counterintuitive things right? along my own journey as I uh, was working through the ranks. There were choices that I had where people asked me to do things where I said, well, that's a little bit of feel. That's really not the next logical step of managing more scope in this one path. Looking backwards, though, whenever I've said yes to doing taking a bit of a flyer, in some case, you might say in the, in the vernacular, uh, they've turned out to be really good things because they expand your horizons in ways you can't really see ahead of time. Right? So for example, when I was much more focused on strategy and transformation, right, I was asked to also look after infrastructure. And I said, well, boy, those are really different things, right? Infrastructure and thinking about how bits and networks are structured and how operations on a daily, that's nothing could be more different than thinking about transformation. Uh, but saying yes to that actually gave me a whole new appreciation from another angle of how Right, the IT operating model worked. And so I think the point is when you say yes to counterintuitive things uh, in a smart way, you're really giving yourself a different perspective, right? And I think that's really more and more necessary as you become more senior. The second part is really, I, I'm constantly surprised and I have to remind myself how important it is to be a connector, right? To be someone who can integrate kind of the points of information and really compose that into a meaningful narrative. That is one of the most key skills because I think the most valued business technologists are the ones who aren't able to just translate, but they're able to in the translation from what the technology means to the business, to the operating model, to the strategy, they're able to animate it with a life that you wouldn't get just by looking at the technology. And so I think honing your skills on the ability to tell the story of technology in a frame of reference that intuitively makes sense for the business and connects with the board level objectives, the company mission and the strategy, those are incredibly powerful. I remember I felt quite silly because it would seem obvious to me sometimes. And I would say things on, in summary that I would say, I can't believe I'm saying this, but in fact, it's not because people are behind or they don't understand. It's because when you're able to connect those dots and be that integrator, you are actually helping unify the company. So whatever leadership team you're part of, the X committee, the executive committee, the, uh, right, the operating committee, you're helping an executive team with a wide array of perspectives get on the same page. And it's not that people don't get it, but it's helping people see things in the same way. And that's incredibly powerful. 
And that, I think, earns you the reputation of, ah, this is someone who can speak the language and understands and is fluent at these boundaries of technology, industry trends, and the business. And I think that maybe leads me to the final point, which is knowing when to push, right? There are times, and again, this is about not being too modest. I think sometimes it's easy also for uh, technologists to say, well, my work should speak for itself. Uh, no, your work never speaks for itself is what I found. Uh, and this is not to say that you have to, uh, right? you should always be humble about it, but I think it is important to push the boundaries of communication to make sure that you're able to animate the story of technology and the path that you've been on with the companies. Because that I think is what gets you into people's minds as being competent, being reliable to achieve things, but also uh, being open and really the person who's able to make sense of all these new things that are constantly happening and figuring out how technology can be best applied. So I think there's many aspects, but those three come to mind particularly uh, strongly as I, as I look back. Really, I'm always uh, uh, amazed, Art, at how, how well and clearly you synthesize things. I, I really appreciate that the, from, from the being open to saying yes to counterintuitive things uh, uh, th through to um, being a connector and finding ways to integrate points of, of information and, and make connections appropriately, as well as knowing when to push, being your own best marketer, if you will. Real, really interesting insights that I think uh, uh, folks can do well by, by following. And across the conversation, Arhu, thank you so much for the, the invaluable insights that you, you've offered, reflective of the things that you're doing, uh, the transformation you are leading at, at Lenovo. It's, as always, a, a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for the very thoughtful questions, Peter. Enjoy it as always.